Welcome to the Intrepid Hearts Garden Party. Join us for a floral affair as we break the stigmas around cannabis, celebrate alternative wellness, and discuss how you can become more sustainable in your shopping habits while staying fashionable AF. Grab your tea, tequila, or toke and join the garden party. medicinally join it last time we were here Anna and I were here we yes. just got in facials um, mm-hmm. Anna's not with us today she's in Costa Rica oh wow okay. for Anna she's there for two weeks oh vacation or work um a little bit of both okay. she's having some work stuff that she's doing while she's down there but mostly oh, mostly fun okay. I think so but good for her we all need that yes we do we do so, last time we talked with Desiree, the founder, and today we're here with Dr. Keisha Vanderbilt. Yes. What, how would you like us to call you? Oh, uh, Dr. Keisha. Dr. Keisha? Okay. Mm-hmm. Dr. Keisha, why don't you give us a little background about yourself? Like, where are you from? Okay. How did you, when did you decide to become a doctor? Mm-hmm. All of that. Well, I'm originally from New York City, and um, most of my, not most, but all of my medical training uh, has been along the Northeastern board, and so I did, I completed my undergraduate in D.C., uh, as well as my medical school training at Howard University, and I completed my internal medicine residency program in Newark, New Jersey at Robert Wood Johnson, and so after... My training there in New Jersey. I came to Philadelphia. Um, my first job as an attending was. Did at the a, job bring you to Philly, or did the you, job bring okay. me to Philly? Yeah, Temple University brought me to Philly. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, and so I worked there for several years, and subsequent to that, I um, moved on to Chestnut Hill Hospital. After that opportunity, I found myself here in this space. I was introduced to Desiree by one of my long-term friends. She and I also went to undergrad and grad school. While she was in grad school, I was in med school. So we have known one another for a very long time. And she's in the cannabis space. She's one of very few women that own a dispensary. What is her name? Um, Her name is Dr. Shonda Macias. She's in Washington, D.C. And Desiree and... She know one another through the Woman Grow organization. And so Desiree divulged to her her intention of opening up a wellness and uh, wellness spa and, and center. And she said, I really would like to have a physician that is as passionate about this as I am. And so that's how Desiree and I met. Nice. Did you, so to back it up just a little, did you always know you wanted to be a doctor or? I wouldn't say always. I think growing up I had two passions. I was artistic. I used to draw and paint and and that was one passion. But academically I was always very good in science and math. Mm -hmm. And so I think my grandparents kind of pushed that side of things only yeah, a little well, bit. <laughs> struggling artists versus like science. <laughs> and, so, and it actually wasn't until I, I used to think I wanted to do some, you know, when I say non-traditional, just non-traditional senses that it's not the common 
thing you hear anyone say when they say, oh, this is what I want to be when I grow mm-hmm. up. I thought about air, air traffic controller and things like that because um, I found that very interesting. But when my grandfather became ill, he and I were very close. I loved him very dearly. He and my grandmother raised me. And so I look at them and can, they are my parents, parents, although they're my grandparents. Yeah. And so when he became ill, I was very affected by that, negatively and positively. And what I would say positively is that, well, I'll first say negatively in the sense that I felt that although the doctors knew what they were doing um, and were probably very competent, there was some lacking in mm-hmm. what I thought, or at least what I felt at that time some level of understanding for what the family was going through and compassion. The way I viewed that positively was I said, well, I can I can do both. Mm-hmm. I can be an effective physician and doctor, but I can also have compassion and empathy for my patients. And mm-hmm. I think that, I think you need all, all, all three attributes. I agree. I to, think this, like, I'm going to say it's a little off topic, me asking you, like, we're going to dive into this mm-hmm. little, because... I had my own health problems and I found that same experience with care Mm -hmm. as far as just when I was trying to find out what was even wrong with me when I was sick in my 20s and I had doctors just kind of like tell me at some point I was crazy even though I knew that there was something wrong and it turned out I had this tumor Mm -hmm. and I find it very frustrating. I hear it a lot Mm -hmm. over and over again Mm -hmm. about people's experiences um, when they're sick. So from your perspective as a doctor, why do you think that is? Like, is it just maybe the nature of someone, a lot of doctors who just have that, like, left brain, right brain, and they're, like, more in that? Or is it just, like, you know, in bigger hospitals, just overwhelmed and not enough staffing? Like, where do you think that comes from? I think it's multifactorial sort of dynamic. I think that, one... Women tend to be a little more caring and feeling just mm-hmm. by our inherent nature. It's true. And so, you know, <laughs> I don't you think might, anyone will argue that. Yeah, you might, you definitely will get differences in, in what you perceive your care is or how your doctor perceives you, mm-hmm. whether you have a, a female doctor versus a male doctor, especially as women. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one issue. The other issue, yes, uh, some part of it is time constraint. Um, uh, lack of, of enough physicians, lack of, of staffing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, and I can attest to this, when you are, when you're especially in a hospital with acutely ill patients, it can be emotionally draining. And so I think maybe some doctors use that as a protective mechanism to protect themselves yeah. emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, for I the, mean, if for you're... The, for the long term. Yeah, like I think if you got deeply emotionally involved with every patient and you're losing pa- like losing patients like that would definitely yeah. definitely mm-hmm. take a toll on you because it, it can be um so throughout the day it's it's mentally draining it's physically um pulling on you it's emotionally pulling on you so I think it's a sort of a multifactorial mm-hmm. dynamic mm-hmm. I can see that now as a physician but in that role as a but on the other side the other as side, a family as or a family patient. you don't necessarily see that mm-hmm. you you know you want in that moment um someone that is just very capable of caring for your loved one but you also need that emotional support too mm-hmm. So, um, 
So that's what piqued my interest in, in at least thinking about leading medicine. you into medicine. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. So how old were you when that happened, when your grandfather got sick? This was uh, my freshman year of college. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big, that's like that big point in your life, mm-hmm. too, when you are starting to sift through mm-hmm. that. And I'm sure then certainly hard because you're in your first year of school. Right. And you have right. a loved one mm-hmm. at home who, I mean, is your parent, basically, that is sick. Mm-hmm. And that is consuming you exactly. as well. Because even at that point, I was a... Um, chemistry and pre-pharmacy major Mm -hmm. and um, I always thought oh well maybe after I I have obtained my PharmD I'll think about um, going to med school but that experience was almost like the um, propellant to say I think you should do this going right away yeah yeah that's amazing Mm -hmm. so residency at Temple then you're you've landed here well I I worked at Temple oh you worked at Temple and then you were at Chestnut House sorry Mm -hmm. Then you were at Chestnut Hill, um, and you, you're you an inter. are you an internist? I'm an internist. I'm an internal medicine okay. general practitioner. And so what, like, what drew you to the cannabis space? Well, I think for the last um, three to five years, I had decided to focus more on health and wellness and how I could talk to my patients about what they can do to achieve that. Mm-hmm. I think there's certainly a difference between prevention and treating um, conditions. And I think we need to, we do a great job or we try to do a good job of treating conditions mm-hmm. but in this country. But I think that we certainly also need to hammer a little more and hone in more on prevention, prevention of uh, disease processes and focus more on how can I most effectively stay well and be well. And so once I decided, I too in that moment said, you know, I want to open up a a wellness center because this is where I want my focus to be and what I want my new world to look like. Because I primarily worked as a hospitalist. So I was treating acutely ill patients. Mm -hmm. And so I I wanted to change that environment a little bit because in that moment I could see a lot of things that could be doing, could have been done on the prevention side. Prior to them showing up in the ER or hospital. Exactly. Yeah. And prevention that could have happened a month before Mm -hmm. or even years before because, you know, the things that uh, we do to our bodies and, and happens over time. And so, you know, I talked to my patients a little bit about these things in the, in the hospital, but I felt like I could be a little more effective in, in the office, office sort of setting and practice. And so love then came on the scene and I said, well, I'm going to wait until we, be, we get settled and move back. He's from North Carolina. And is this your husband? This is my husband. And okay. he unequivocally wants to move back to North Carolina. And so I said, well, I will wait until we make that move to open up the, this, this practice mm-hmm. the way I, I see it. And mind. at this point in time, were you thinking about cannabis at all? Or you were just starting to think about making that switch from hospital to having your own practice? At that time, just thinking about making the switch. And then um, I was invited to go to a Woman Grow Summit in Colorado. And 
That opened my mind to what cannabis was, what cannabis could be, because physicians even today, I completed my residency training in 2006, mm-hmm. which isn't that long ago, yeah. but it's at least over yeah. a decade ago. We didn't learn about the endocannabinoid system in medical school. And it exists. So that's and, like crazy. It exists it, it, in the human and, body. And, so whether you believe in cannabis or not, right. and it, cannabis is only has some endocannabinoids. There's found in other, 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 plants, other areas exactly. of nature and plants. Yeah. So it's just, it's bizarre. And, and, they, really and they founded crazy. it in the 1980s. So I'm perplexed to know why I didn't learn about it in medical school. Mm-hmm. I didn't learn about it in residency. I was devoid of that knowledge and that information. And so when I went to this conference, that piqued my interest. I said, wow, well, what we were always taught that Cannabis was not good. It had um, no medical benefit and that it was a substance that was addictive, mm-hmm. which none of those things are true. Mm-hmm. And so I started to do more reading and and with that reading and embarking on that sort of journey, that's when I became aware, well, well cannabis is a plant that can be used for wellness. It's also a plant that can be used to treat certain conditions. Mm-hmm. So it's twofold. Yes. You can use it as a preventive measure to stay well and healthy, and you can use it for treatment and then to get back to wellness and, and health. So I was um, intrigued by that. Was there anything in your early exploration of reading, other than it just being like, wow, I didn't, I thought it was all these things and it's not, was there any like, specific case or study that you read that you were just like mind blown I can't believe (laughs) no not any particular case or study but um at that conference there were um, several people that had their own personal testimonials Mm -hmm. which I found very interesting and once I started to do a little more research and learn and read different papers and studies it it was becoming clearly evident to me that this was something that um, a lot of my patients could benefit from. And especially since in the hospital I had several patients, mostly patients with cancer, Mm -hmm. ask me about marijuana at, you know, at that time. And at that time we were not medical. We we did not have it in the state. When you went to the summit, when did you go to the summit? Was it already legalized? It wasn't. wasn't. Okay. It was before that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think, so we, in Pennsylvania, we went legal, um, or I should say we were. We started the medical program in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that conference was either 2014, 2015, okay. somewhere around so right, right before. Mm-hmm. And so I would tell my patients, I, I can't have this conversation yeah. with you, but if you think that's something that will help you, you have to make that choice for yourself. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't give them any information because, one, I, at that time, I had not personally had that much information. And all the information that I had, that I had acquired through training, was that had no medical benefit. And it was... And a, you could, you could like, at, at that point in time, if you even breached the conversation because a patient asked you... Mm-hmm. Like you could you have lost like your board certification? I, like how I, how would that I don't have worked? I don't think so. I think that um, certainly I, it was not something that I could recommend. Yeah. 
But I could have the conversation in the sense of if this is something that you think would benefit you, that's a choice you have to make on your own. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't have in that time and moment been able to have the conversation. Well, doctor, if I choose to do that, what benefit would I get from it? Mm -hmm. Because at that time, I myself was still in the early stages of investigating and learning more about the plant myself. So I think that's one of the issues that I think a lot of patients run up against when they talk to their physicians about it. They, they don't know much about it. Mm-hmm. And so they can't really give a, an answer to say, yes, I think this is something you should do, or no, I don't think this is something. Or they may say no, because what they do know, or what we've been taught, is that you shouldn't use it. Yeah. So that's why I think a lot of patients are a little apprehensive about talking to some of their doctors about it because that's their stance. Mm -hmm. Although we are medical. We've been medical for almost three years now, which is is counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. Your state has said you can can use this this plant in a medical way, Mm -hmm. but your your doctors are still saying, I don't agree with it. I don't don't think you should do it. Mm -hmm. So that... That doesn't that doesn't go together. Yeah, it doesn't match. It doesn't match. Mm-hmm. It's counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. So patients are thinking it leaves a lot of people confused. It leaves a lot of people confused. Well, if the state is telling me I could do it, but my doctor's not on board with it, what can but I? But then do I know that there's some doctors out there that do. Right, <laughs> right. Then yeah. what do they do? So you came back from the conference, and there was this time in between. Did you start having those discussions? with your significant other at this point in time, like letting him know like what you were thinking. I I, I did. I did. And he was, he was all on board, hands on deck. Um, But I think in that time period, um, a job took the both of us to Illinois for two years. And then we came back because then a job brought him back to this area, Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania area. So because now he had, a new job, and he was um, entrenching himself in his career at that at that particular um, place. We decided we were going to stay in Pennsylvania for a period of time. Yeah. And so at that moment, then I meet Desiree, and so everything like lines up yeah, for a reason, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. So when you met Desiree, had you already gotten? Is it a certification? Pro- is it called a certification? It, it is process? a certification. Have you ever got at that point? Have you gotten your certification? I had I got my certification at that point, mm-hmm. and actually, I had to research a few programs, and I decided to do the certification through the Lambert program, which is a uh, underpinning of Jefferson uh, University. Is that system. the program you'd recommend for doctors? I would. I would. Um, One, I think most doctors will feel some sense of uh, security knowing that it's from, you're obtaining your certification from Jefferson, Jefferson, which is a major health institution Mm -hmm. in in, in Philadelphia and in the country. country. And so I felt that the program was um, well put together. Um, they talked about a lot of different things, um, positive effects of cannabis, um, potential side effects of cannabis, how the program in the state works. And so I think it was um, a pretty inclusive program. But what I will say, it's, it's only four hours. Mm-hmm. And so even though you undergo this certification training, you still have to do more. 
Yes. Because it it briefly talks about um, strain alignment and and things of that nature, but you really have to then go out and do more research on how you're going to treat different conditions in in mm-hmm. in your in your office. In yeah. Your space. Yeah. I it's still even though that's like it's still a little mind blowing to me that that's it like four hours. It's, like, when I hear about even just in, like, med school, like, you didn't hear about the anaconoboids, like, system. Mm -hmm. I always hear that crazy statistic about, like, how much nutritional training you get in med school. It's, like, non-existent. And you're just, like, that's, it's so huge. Mm -hmm. And I fear that there are still a lot of doctors who just go and get the certification and not with the best intentions. And I I experienced, I told you this firsthand, going to a doctor who I could immediately tell had no education. Like, he clearly got a certification, but he didn't even believe in it, in its benefits. And I could tell that within, like, the first five minutes of conversation. Um, And it was really disheartening. And I'm like, well, there's people who really need this medicine. And if they go to a doctor who's not educated, who knows if they can really get the full benefits. Right. Because it, it's just like any other medicine. You, we have to help our patients use the medicine. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, no, um, it's no different than if a patient comes to me. Well, it's different in the sense that it's a plant, but if a patient comes to me and they have diabetes, and mm-hmm. I say, well, I this is certainly a condition we need to treat. Yeah. Um, these are our options. I want to start you on this. Medicine, but I'm going to start this dose, mm-hmm. and we are going to see how your body responds to it. Mm-hmm. The patient comes back and tells me, "Well, this medicine you gave me gave me nausea, gave me diarrhea, gave me abdominal cramping. Mm-hmm. I, I can't do this. I work during the day. I can't, you know, be at work and have to urgently go to the bathroom if I'm in a meeting. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of things because it's not in a vacuum." So anything anyone puts in their body, the way it impacts their daily life, their quality of life, mm-hmm. you have to take those things into consideration. Mm-hmm. So it was no different. And so similar with, with cannabis, everyone's body is different. Everyone's body will respond differently to different strains or different varieties. And we have to be open and willing and aggressive to go and get the information for ourselves to be able to help our patients use the medicine. Mm-hmm. And it's it, I think of it as being like, especially if you've never even had any experience, you don't know what you're doing, you go to a doctor, they don't give you real guidance, you go to a dispensary, and there's people at the dispensaries to help, but if you don't happen to have a good consultation, it's like going into a drugstore and having like a bunch of antibiotics in front of you right. at all different dosages. And you have something, but you're like, which antibiotic am I supposed to take which dosage is mm-hmm. you don't know because there's no guidance. Right. Um, do you know of any one like or anyone who's spearheading and trying to in the medical community get m- more educational programs out there around? I I do know because since I uh, obtained my certification with the Lambert Center, I I do you know still track the things that they're doing. Mm-hmm. That center specifically was put together to focus on the education and use and therapeutic benefit of cannabis. That's their their whole thing, focus. focus. 
And so they're actually bringing forth a lot of different courses this fall, um, specifically geared towards healthcare professionals to talk about those mm-hmm. things. What strain would you use for this? Um, what um, chemical profile of the plant works best for this? But that's the challenge. See, when you have pharmaceutical grade medications, medicine that was birthed and um, manufactured in a pharmacy, in you, a lab. You, in a lab <laughs> you know yeah. this is what's in it, mm-hmm. this many milligrams, these are the effects, mm-hmm. positive and negative. Mm-hmm. With cannabis, the challenge is that there are over 600 over 600 cannabinoids that exist. And so the challenge is, okay, so this variety has all of these different cannabinoids in it, including in addition to terpenes, flavonoids. So this is the probably the most diverse medicine that we've ever seen in the sense of it inherently has all these different properties. Mm -hmm. That's not the usual case. And so that's the challenge. Mm -hmm. And secondarily to that, everyone will react differently. But we know that. Mm -hmm. We know that from just biochemical and physiological Mm -hmm. behavior of Mm -hmm. anybody. We know that. But the challenge is how complex the plan is. So I had talked to a gentleman recently who works for a company. And this stuff is very new. And I don't, off the top of my head, I have it in my notes. But... They're a company that's doing, it's like basically genetic testing Mm -hmm. to see which, like what endocannabinoids you're deficient in and what would best react with your personal body, Mm -hmm. which I was like, that's amazing. Is this really work? And I mean, it's so new. Who knows? Have you heard about anything along the lines of that? What what I have heard about is... um, the thought process or the theory is that a lot of their the endocannabinoid system, the whole goal of that system is to maintain homeostasis. So any thing that's going awry in the body, its goal is to reset that. Mm-hmm. The thought process is is that there are um, people that are uh, endocannabinoid. Their endocannabinoid system is deficient; it's not functioning properly. And so what your friend is doing is very similar to um, what they have tried to do for conditions like depression or they think there's not enough serotonin being made. Mm -hmm. And so the thought is, well, we're going to give you something that a medicine that can increase Mm -hmm. or decrease the, the, the way your body breaks down serotonin. And so if you decrease the, the way your body breaks it down, that means you will have more circulating serotonin in your system. So that's similar sort of, um, I guess, a, a focus or, or basis for mm-hmm. what your friend is doing. Mm-hmm. And I think something like that, if they could get that to, yeah. to work and, and truly test uh, people for endocannabinoid deficiency, uh, I think that would be would be great yeah is there since you've gotten in and been with the practice now and started working with cannabis and patients is there any particular um, case that you could speak of I mean obviously you can't use patients right, right. but like that you were like 
this was like if there was ever a doubt anyone had, like this this experience happened and you saw a, a massive change in a patient. Well, I I have had a lot of instances where that has, has occurred. I had one patient who had a lot of arthritis and arthritis and a lot of pain issues. Mm-hmm. And that particular patient was on a multitude of medications to treat the pain and had undergone a multitude of different treatments, injection, therapy, electric stimulation, and without good effect. And was very, it was a major issue on a day-to-day basis. The patient said, you know, I just need some relief. I can't. Were they on, like, any opioids or they they were on everything? They were on opioids, and they really didn't want to be on opioids, and they really had decided, I only use this for extreme pain Mm -hmm. when I really can't take it because I really don't want to take opioids. And so once they um, started participating in the the cannabis program, they, on follow-up visit, they came into the office, and they were smiling. They said, I can't believe. I've had some near pain-free days off of opioids. And they said, you know, this has been a blessing to me because I really, they said they were just out of options. Mm-hmm. They felt like they had nowhere to turn to. From a personal, like, perspective and not as a doctor, mm-hmm. that to me has, especially since our country, and this area in Philadelphia is mm-hmm. in the, experiencing the epidemic of like opioid overdosing and Mm -hmm. like the fentanyl and all of that everything and I just it's like to me one of the hugest solves to this problem like I I mean to help people get off of addictive Mm -hmm. what we know is an addictive substance Mm -hmm. and I've watched personally people who I would never in a million years imagine would get hooked on, not just they got hooked to the pain medicine, but then from coming off of the surgery, but then when it went away, they turned to like heroin, which, I mean, these are people who, again, like they were probably the straightest people I knew growing up. And I, the last person in the world you would imagine ending in their life, ending in an overdose like that. And I just am like, what could have happened if, we were able to give them something else. I think it will. So in pain management, there's a step-up sort of pain management mm-hmm. process. You start with things that are relatively innocuous. I mean, everything can have a side effect and overuse, but um, Tylenol and then over-the-counter medicines like Motrin and Naproxen and then other anti-inflammatories like Toradol. And then after that is opioids. I think, and I my hope is that, with the research that they're starting to do in this country, but they, it's still limited because it's still a Schedule One, mm-hmm. still considered a Schedule One drug, and so there are a lot of, there's a lot of red tape around whether or not you can really do research, yes, on on it, right? So that that's one thing that we have to overcome. But my hope is that in the step-up process, instead of opioids being the next line mm-hmm. above anti-inflammatories and, and things of like that, cannabis. And cannabis may even be at step two along with anti-inflammatories mm-hmm. because cannabis is an anti-inflammatory mm-hmm. in addition to an analgesic or pain-reducing pain medicine. So that is where I see 
things going in the next five to ten years. Mm-hmm. That's my hope. Um, but even as we stand here today and we are uh, medical state, you still can't use cannabis in the hospital. So someone that's on a cannabis program, once they if they're hospitalized for any reason, they can't use that. They can't use cannabis. So we still have some some work to do. Mm-hmm. What would you advice would you give to someone if they're thinking about joining the medical program, but they're like they're not sure if it's necessary. They're not sure if they could just be using a isolate like CBD. Mm-hmm. What would be a good indication of whether someone for a condition would should consider maybe getting their medical medical card because they may need something with some THC versus just being able to use like a good CBD product? Well, it really depends on the condition. Mm. And a lot of people can be treated solely with the CBD product. The conditions that really need more of the, or at least some THC, tend to be severe chronic pain, and a lot of the patients may have. But there are a good number of conditions that could be treated solely with a full-spectrum CBD, Mm -hmm. such as um, anxiety, um, insomnia, issues with depression. Mm-hmm. Um, so those conditions, you you could certainly get some relief and some some pain. So you could get some some relief. But I think someone that has been on opioids or high doses of pain medicines, although they're different systems mm-hmm. that they work on and different receptors, I think those patients may need to investigate a little little, little THC Um, when someone starts to just get in shopping for CBD or wants to take it for the first time do you recommend sublingual drops versus a tincture Mm -hmm. versus a rub I mean rub obviously a topical is going to be more for muscle inflammation but or even how to start out and figure out milligrams we Mm -hmm. just and I just recently had a conversation and some, it was mentioned in the interview, they were talking about, well, actually, you can take too much CBD and not that it will be an overdose. It'll actually just render it less effective. Have you found any readings on that or heard of any anything to that effect? I haven't found mm-hmm. any readings on taking too much CBD. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be quite honest, that would, that would be something I would have to look into and research. Um I haven't heard any readings of it, and I always tell all my patients to start low and slow. Yes, and that was their advice, too. You start low and slow. You start low and slow. Um, one, to see how it makes you feel, mm-hmm. whether you have any side, any potential side effects at all from it. The one thing I also would advise all people to do when they're looking into a CBD product is... Really investigate it, do some research on it, because you want to ensure that it has been tested for certain things. You want to make sure um, there are low levels of pesticides in this Mm -hmm. product, that there is no bacteria, no fungus, because the CBD products primarily that you can uh, purchase, um, either from a health food store or online, they're derived from hemp, or at least they're supposed to be derived from hemp, and essentially have next to no THC in them. But on, on either side, whether it's a CBD product derived from hemp or cannabis product that you're getting at, that you're getting yeah. at a dispensary, 
they are both plants and they all are, are grown and need to be grown a certain way, needed to be tended to a certain way. And so you want to make sure that whatever you're taking and ingesting has been, um, is a reputable product. That makes, I mean, that makes perfect sense to me. I, it's, if you care about putting organic fruits and veggies in your body, then you should probably care like what's being sprayed on this that you're taking as medicine. I know like I have my fiance, I, he, he just started taking CBD for infl- like inflammation. He does jujitsu and he's constantly getting beat up and hurt all the time. And he's always sore. And I'm like, well, try some CBD. But I tried to like be like low and slow because he was like, I'm like, you're taking too much. Right, <laughs> I'm, like, right. I'm like, you don't even know if you need that much. And a little bit <laughs> will go a long way, especially if you've yeah. never introduced an exogenous cannabinoid mm-hmm. so we everyone makes their own natural cannabinoids but cannabis is an exogenous mm-hmm. cannabinoid that we can take to supplement um, what our body makes or doesn't make so yes he may not even need that much I know I'm just I just like laugh at him because mm-hmm. he's that type of person mm-hmm. when he decides to like go in, all in on something mm-hmm. I'm like that's too much right <laughs> like mm-hmm. I introduced him to hemp seeds and the the amount of hemp seeds that he consumes now, because he's just he's like it's like great source of protein, and I'm like it is a great source I'm like, of protein. You don't need to eat a half a cup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you do a cup every day though. You can eat like two tablespoons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what about some good advice as far as like patients seeking out a dispensary? Like, what should a patient look for when they go into a dispensary, or is there any questions that you advise patients to mm-hmm. ask? when they go to a dispensary for the first time? Well, what I would say is, in the state of Pennsylvania, not all states have mandated this, is that there is either a pharmacist or a physician in each dispensary. Mm -hmm. And they should really be the first stop Mm -hmm. in the dispensary so that it doesn't become exceedingly overwhelming, that experience. Mm -hmm. And so the purpose of sitting down with either one of those two people is to talk about what your goals are, meaning, is it, are you coming, are you seeking pain relief? Are you seeking relief for anxiety? Are you seeking relief from muscle spasms? Are you seeking relief because you have a seizure disorder? So having that initial conversation, I think, will be very settling to someone. So if the consult is offered, take the consult. If the consult is offered, take the consult. Because that would at least give you, especially for someone that has never consume cannabis in any shape or form, that will be a, a somewhat of a, an introduction to the plant mm-hmm. and an introduction to that dispensary. Mm-hmm. Because then they can come to you and say, these, these particular products will work well for these things, these things that you are seeking to mm-hmm. have improvement on. And so I think that will be something that people can appreciate and, and not make the experience overwhelming. Overwhelming, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what I would, um, like, it is overwhelming. Because you walk in there and they have a multitude of different products from different um, growers yes. and, and processors. And then strains. Like and then strains. <laughs> so you don't know, should I use a patch? Should I use a topical cream mm. or lotion? Should I vape it? Should I use the flower? Should I use a tincture? And so they will be able to at least give you some guidance on that. And then what type, 
what product, what, what strain, what variety. And then would you say, because I know you gave me this advice that's like keeping a journal, right? Yes, I would say write down a journal, uh, keep a journal and, and say, well, these are the products I have. These are the conditions that or the issues that I'm aiming to get relief with each one. How does it make me feel? Does it work for me? Does it not work for me? Mm-hmm. And that way you can kind of eliminate things that don't work and you don't need to buy those another time or again. And if something doesn't work, that's a telltale sign of what sort of chemical profile uh-huh. doesn't work so you for you. So you could go look. You could look it up or you could show your doctor mm-hmm. and they can then give you a better idea. Exactly. Um, there's really cute. Gold Leaf makes really cute patient journals. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's always a source. And then I've seen in some of the dispensaries they sell, not gold leaves, but they will have like their own version of the patient Mm -hmm. journal. Well, I could sit here and talk to you all day. I have like, (laughs) I have a zillion other questions I could go into, (laughs) but we both have to get going. So I'm sure there'll be more. It was great having you. Thank you for taking the time. Well, thank you for coming in. Is, are you on social media? I am. Our web, our medicinally joined is on social okay. media. Okay, but you don't, not a personal. I'm working on it. You're working yeah. on it. Okay. <laughs> well, when that happens, we'll we'll re-update. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs>